Dear friends, every time we hear the sound of the bell, we stop thinking. We start breathing in mindfulness. I breathe in. I listen. I listen. I breathe out. Oh, okay, listen, listen. The sound of this wonderful bell brings me back to my true home. My true home is here and now. I listen, I listen. With my whole heart, my whole body, my whole mind. I listen to the sound of the bell. It's a voice that reminds us to come back to the here and now, my true home. Listen, listen. This wonderful sound brings me back to my true home. My true home, it's here and now, where life is possible. Past is not here anymore. Future isn't here yet. There's only one moment when you can really be alive, and that is the present moment. So, breathing in in mindfulness allows you to come back to the present moment, to really live deeply in the present moment, to live deeply this moment. So every time you hear the bell, it's a chance for us to stop thinking, to practice mindful breathing in order to establish ourselves in the present moment. And to live deeply this moment which is given to us to live. energy of mindfulness you can generate it in every moment of your daily life mindfulness and this energy of mindfulness can nourish us 
and heal us. With this practice, healing is possible at every moment. When you breathe in, if you do it correctly, then healing is possible. But but this uh, breathing, this practice must be enjoyable. If I start breathing, I know it's an enjoyable thing. And I really enjoy breathing in. If if you can feel this pleasure of breathing in, then healing is possible. But if you just think of breathing as a um, torture or something you have to do, that's not good. And breathing in should be enjoyable. Breathing out as well. So you have to try to breathe in such a way that every breath is a pleasure and every out-breath is also pleasurable and this is possible. Being here, sitting and breathing, that procures me a lot of joy and happiness. But we have to train. Every time you do a step, you make a step. Do it in such a way that pleasure, joy is possible. But we need to practice. Being alive, making steps on this wonderful planet, it's a joy. It's great happiness. When you breathe in, if you bring your awareness to your in-breath, you can see, you can touch a miracle. You can touch a miracle. You're truly alive. You're present, alive on this earth, on the planet earth. When you breathe in, in mindfulness, you touch this miracle of being alive. Somebody who's dead can't breathe anymore. But you, who are breathing, you're alive. So this breathing can help you to touch a miracle. I'm breathing in, therefore I'm alive. Being alive is a miracle. It's the most, it's the lot, it's the biggest miracle, the greatest miracle. And breathing and mindfulness allows you to touch this miracle. And when you breathe out, you can celebrate already 
the fact that you're alive and you can smile. I breathe out, I know, and I'm happy to be alive. So mindfulness is an energy which carries another energy which is called concentration. Mindfulness is accompanied by concentration. When you're aware of something, you're concentrated on it. When I'm really mindful, when I'm really conscious of this flower, I concentrate on the flower. So concentration, mindfulness carries concentration within it. And if you have both mindfulness and concentration, then you can acquire the third energy, which is insight. Insight will liberate you, will free you from your suffering and despair and fear. So when I breathe in deeply and in mindfulness, I concentrate. I'm concentrated on my in-breath. And then I can touch the fact that I'm alive. Being alive, being able to work on this, walk on this wonderful planet is a marvel. And the third energy is inside. We just need to breathe in mindfulness two or three seconds in order to touch this inside. The miracle of being alive. And that's why each breath can be enjoyable, can bring us joy. Each step we make can be enjoyable. And when our breathing is enjoyable and our steps bring us joy, then healing is possible. So during your stay here in Plum Village, we're going to be able to practice like that. Healing with each breath healing with each step. There are monastics and lay practitioners who can do this. Every in-breath can bring about healing. Every step made in mindfulness can bring about healing. And the, our breathing and our steps must be made in mindfulness and have to be enjoyable. Must bring you pleasure. So look around. There are monastics, monks and nuns. There are lay practitioners. They can do that. They're able to do that and they enjoy each breath. 
They enjoy each step they make. And so that if you want your healing to be quick, we need to enjoy each step, each breath. The same thing is true when we eat breakfast. When we eat breakfast, we should stop thinking and bring our awareness to the food and the community around us. When we look at a piece of bread, we can look at it in mindfulness, with concentration. And when we look like that, we can see that this piece of bread is the body of the cosmos, of the whole cosmos. In the piece of bread, there's the sun. Clouds, the earth, Everything, the entire cosmos. The whole cosmos conspires to help the bread to manifest. So with concentration, with mindfulness, you look at your piece of bread and you can see the entire cosmos. That is already insight. And we only need two or three seconds to see that, to see the cosmos in the piece of bread. And when you put it in your mouth and chew, you're in deep touch contact with the whole cosmos. You're not thinking anymore. You are in contact with the marvels of life, the wonders of life. And if you do that, then healing is possible during, while eating. And it's You only need to eat each mouthful of your meal like that and your meal becomes healing. So every moment of our daily life can be healing. It depends on you, on the way you walk, the way you breathe, the way you eat, the way you brush your teeth. If you brush your teeth, when you brush your teeth, you have to stop thinking. We have to brush our teeth in such a way that freedom, joy is is possible while brushing our teeth. I do it like that. I say to myself, oh, oh, at my age I still have teeth to brush and then I feel happy already, I have joy. That's insight. The Buddha begins with the Four Noble Truths. He starts his teaching and his practice. And the first Noble Truth is ill-being.
ill being is suffering in terms of illness, death, despair, jealousy, anger. Suffering exists, ill being exists. We have to recognize it and not ignore this noble truth. We shouldn't try to escape this truth. We should learn to look at this truth directly and embrace it with a lot of tenderness. We have to listen to it and look deeply into this truth called ill-being or suffering. Your depression is a type of suffering, ill-being. And the practice consists of looking deeply into the nature of your depression, your despair as well. So Buddha starts with affirming the existence of ill-being in order to later on identify the nature, the roots of your ill-being, the path that leads to ill-being. The path leading to ill-being. Your depression, for example, come yeah, has just begun. And if you look deeply into its nature, you can recognize, identify the path that brought it about, that led to it. You lived in such a way that ill-being came about. And that's why Buddha also said we can consider the second noble truth in terms of food. The second truth is the causes, the roots of ill-being. It's the path that leads to ill-being. And the Buddha said, we can also look at it, the second noble truth, in terms of food. Very interesting. Buddha said, nothing can survive without food. For example, your love. If you don't know how to nourish your love, it'll die. It'll be turned into something else like hate or despair. So you need to know how to nurture, nourish your love. And the same is true for your depression. 
Your depression needs food in order to continue to exist. You've seen that depression is possible, so you need to identify the source of food that brought it about. This is the second truth. The Buddha said the following, what has just begun, what has just come to be, the ill-being, the suffering, the depression, what has come to be, if you can look deeply, deeply into its nature, if you can identify the source of food that brought it about, then you're already on the path of healing. You're already on the path of freedom, liberation. And so you have to look into ill-being in order to identify the source of food that brought it about. And you know very well that ill-being needs food in order to continue. And if you know how to cut off this uh, source of food, then the ill-being will disappear, will stop. So it's possible. Healing is possible. This is the third noble truth. It's the cessation. The cessation of ill-being. It's an affirmation, confirmation. Healing is possible in every moment. If you know how to do it, how to cut the source of food feeding your ill-being. And this cessation of ill-being can be described as the presence of well-being. The absence of ill-being means the presence of well-being. So well-being is possible. This is the third noble truth. It's the confirmation of the Buddha of the presence of the healing of well-being. And so that well-being can come about, we have to do something. So there's the fourth noble truth, which is the path which leads to well-being. The path leading to the cessation of ill-being. That's to say, leading to well-being. It's very simple. 
So here in this retreat, we're going to look just to identify this path. What is the path that leads to the elimination of ill-being? The path that brings about well-being. In Buddhism, food is described in four parts. The first source of food is called edible food. means what we take into the body through the mouth. We eat, we drink. There's food which is toxic. And if we continue to eat like that, to nourish ourselves like this, then our ill-being will always persist. So we need to look at the food we're ingesting. Before eating, we need to look at the table and recognize the nature of each each uh, plate, each dish. We just need a few seconds to look at the table and look at the food that's being served on the table. We need to eat in such a way that health is possible, that compassion is also possible. Without compassion, there's no happiness possible. There's no well-being. Physical health depends on our mental health. Physical health is impossible without moral or spiritual health without understanding, without compassion. If we have too much anger, too much despair, then our physical health becomes impossible. So Buddha teaches us to eat in such a way that compassion is possible. Because if we don't have compassion or love, we're completely isolated. Somebody who has no compassion or love within them can never be in touch with others, another person, other creatures, other beings. They're completely isolated. And when we're alone like that, even uh, health, physical health is impossible. So we need to learn how to generate the energy of love and compassion we have to eat in such a way so that our compassion is preserved. And the Buddha used the image of a, a young couple, a married couple, crossing the desert. They were young. They took with them a little, well, they had with them a little boy. They were 
trying to flee from their own country to another country to have more freedom. Uh, one refugee told the Buddha this story. They wanted to leave their country. They took their little boy with them. But they calculated incorrectly how far and what they needed to take. And in the middle of the desert, they realized their provisions were used up. They had nothing more to eat. And both of them thought they were going to die in the desert. So in their despair, they thought, if we, shall we kill the little boy in order to eat his flesh and survive and get out of the desert, come back to our country? And they made a terrible decision. They decided to kill their little boy, which they did. And every day, The man and the woman, they ate a piece of their child's body and the rest they carried on their shoulders for to dry in the sun. And every day they ate a piece of their own son's body. And every time we eat like that, there's pain, suffering. Dear little boy, where are you? And luckily, after that, they were able to survive crossing the desert and were accepted in a new country as refugees. And when they told this story to, when the monk told this story to the Buddha, the Buddha said, Dear friend, do you think the parents enjoyed eating the flesh of their son, of their child? And the answer was, Dear Master, it's impossible to enjoy eating the flesh of your own child. The couple must have suffered terribly eating their child's flesh. And the Buddha said, Dear friends, It's true. We have to eat in such a way that compassion is possible in your body, in your heart. So when we eat, we need to eat in such a way that compassion can be preserved in our body. Imagine, UNESCO said every day 40,000 children die of hunger of malnutrition. 40,000 every day. Children who die of hunger and of malnutrition. And there are places in the world where we eat a lot of meat, we drink a lot of alcohol in order to make meat, we need 
a lot of cereal of grain. The same to make alcohol. We need a lot of grain. And we use this grain to produce meat and to produce alcohol. But if we eat like that, we lose our compassion. If we are about to drink some alcohol, we can breathe. We need to look deeply into the glass. What's in there? Maybe it's the blood of your child. Maybe it's the flesh of your child. The piece of meat that you're eating. So, we need to eat and drink in such a way that compassion can be preserved within us. That's what the Buddha recommends. Without compassion, happiness is impossible. The second type of food are sensations, feelings, impressions, sense impressions. What you consume by your mouth, not what you consume by your mouth, but by your eyes, your ears, your mind, your body. When you watch television, you're consuming. Television is a source of food. There are certain TV programs which produce a lot of poison and toxins. Anger, despair, terror, fear. And when you watch a TV program, you're consuming this. You're consuming fear, terror, violence, desire, greed, despair. So you shouldn't consume that. You should only watch programs made of more healthy elements like compassion, understanding, brotherhood, sisterhood, joy, hope. So you and your children, you need to consume wisely what you watch on television. The internet is also a source of food and nutriment. There are many toxic things on the internet that you and your children consume. So you need to use mindfulness in order not to consume toxic things. That destroys your children and you. So sense impressions are the second source of food, the second nutriment. When you read the newspaper, you're also consuming because there are articles in the newspaper which are full of violence, full of hate, 
of anger, fury. And if you continue to read this sort of thing, you're consuming toxins. It's not good. It's not good for you, for your body, for your mind. So we need mindfulness in order to select the object of your consumption. When you start a conversation, you're also consuming because what the other person says can contain a lot of hate or anger, despair. And if you listen like that for one hour, the toxins will go into you and will destroy your mind and body. So we have to be very careful and consume in mindfulness with awareness. In Plum Village, we practice five mindfulness trainings. And the fifth mindfulness training is about mindful consumption in order to protect ourselves and our children, to protect our society and our planet. We eat, we consume in such a way that healing becomes possible. The Buddha used the image of a cow that had a sickness of its skin. The the cow seemed not to have any skin at all, and microorganisms came and sucked the blood of the cow because it wasn't protected by his skin. And it didn't, the cow didn't have any way to protect itself against insects and microorganisms that came and attached itself to them, to the cow and sucked its blood. So if we are not equipped with mindfulness, then things like that will penetrate into us. When you cross a city, You see things. You hear things. There's advertising, for example. It's a nutriment. You don't want to look at it, but it's there, advertising, publicity, And it can contain a lot of poison, a lot of toxins which go into your mind and body. It's like a cow which doesn't have a skin anymore. And insects and microorganisms can, can attach themselves through the skin of the cow and suck the blood so we're not protected anymore. We let these things penetrate. We let ourselves be permeated by these toxins. When we look around us, we see the toxins and that goes inside day and night. 
So we need to find ways to protect ourselves. We need a skin to prevent the toxins from being absorbed. So sense impressions, most of them are toxic. So we need to practice mindfulness to protect ourselves. Imagine a cow without a skin. She has no protection. So breathing in mindfulness, looking in mindfulness, you can identify the toxins contained in the sense impressions and you can protect yourself and protect your children. So you need to be very careful when you talk, when you have conversations, when you listen to others, it can contain a lot of toxins. It can be quite toxic. When you read a book or the newspaper or you watch TV, when you go on the internet, you have to protect yourself. The third source of food the third type of nutriment is volition. That is the deepest di desire of your life, the deepest aspiration. You need volition, a positive one and healthy one, a healthy aspiration, healthy desire. We need to breathe and look and identify our deepest desire. What is our deepest desire? There are terrorists who want to punish They only live for that. They just want revenge. They're filled with anger and hate. They have only one desire, and that is to get revenge. And the life of a terrorist is characterized by this food, this volition, the desire to have revenge, to hurt others, to punish. And if you are nourished by this volition, there, there will be a lot of suffering. Your volition could be how to protect the planet, say, help the poor. Help the poor and oppressed. You're motivated by compassion to do something to protect aid help, then you have good food. If that's your desire. But if you're motivated by a desire to run after money, wealth, fame, power, sex, then that is not good volition. 
because around us many people suffer like that. They suffer deeply because they're constantly running after these four things, wealth, fame, power, and sex. So we need time to look deeply and identify the deepest desire within you. The Buddha also had a desire, a very deep one. It was to practice in order to liberate himself. Practice in order to help others suffer less. That's a good desire. It's a good volition. It's a third type of food. Third type of nutriment. The Buddha used the image of a young person who wants to live, who's happy, but there are two really big people. Who want to kill him? Who want to drag him and throw him into a pit of burning embers? The young person doesn't want to die, but there are these two other people who want to throw it into this pit in order to kill him. And these two other people who are forcing you to die, it's volition. Unhealthy volition, negative desire. The desire to get revenge, to consume. So because when we are consuming sex, fame, edible food, we can destroy our mind and body, the object of our desire. So we need to look very deeply into the objects of our desire in order to identify this third sort of food. And we need to change. If you want a healthy life, a happy life, then you need good volition, good desire. And as for the fourth type of food, it's consciousness, collective consciousness.
If you live in an environment with a healthy collective energy, like in practice centers, in the practice center, everyone is trying to generate positive energy, like mindfulness, concentration, insight, compassion, understanding, love. And if you are amongst people who know how to generate these sorts of energy, this positive energy, then you're consuming good things. You're not doing anything, but but you're surrounded and permeated by this positive collective energy of compassion, of understanding, joy, brotherhood. So you're healthy. You have good health in this way. But if you live in a neighborhood, a part of town, where there's a lot of hate, violence, anger, then this collective energy of hate and anger and violence will destroy you and your children. You don't want to consume this sort of energy, this negative energy, but she, it permeates you anyway. So you're consuming it. So if you see that you live in in an environment like this, you need to evacuate straight away. Don't let yourself be permeated by this collective energy of hate, anger, despair, one day you'll be like them as well. So you need to ch change your environment. Later, if you're stronger, you can return to help the people who live there in that sort of environment, but not yet, not now. First, you need to get out. Get out immediately. You shouldn't continue to consume this sort of food called collective consciousness. So your depression has perhaps been fed by this sort of collective energy. It's a type, it's a very important type of, in, of food. You need to find a place where the food is healthier where you can feel compassion, brotherhood, sisterhood, joy, hope. You need to know how to generate these things, these energies, for you and for your children, for your friends. Organize your life in such a way that this sort of positive energy can be possible in your daily life. And the Buddha spoke about 
these four types of food. And to illustrate the fourth one, the fourth source of food, he, he used the image of of a criminal, someone who had killed many people, and the emperor gave the order to punish him. What sort of punishment should this criminal receive? The soldiers asked. And the emperor said, you have to stab him 300, 300 stabs with a bayonet. You have to stab the criminal with bayonets. And the next day the emperor asked, did he die? He said, no, he's still alive. So he said, the emperor said, okay, do it again. Another 300 stabbings until he dies. So the Buddha used this image for collective consciousness, unhealthy collective consciousness. If we live in an environment where this collective energy of hate and violence is prevalent, then we are exposed to this sort of punishment. So we need to be aware of this and we need to get out of that environment as soon as possible. And if you are a politician or a mayor, you need to think about that. There are neighborhoods where violence, hate is killing adults and children every day. It's food. So healing is only possible when we can identify the sources of our food, which types of food we're consuming that are leading to ill-being and which sorts of food that lead to the cessation of ill-being. We should be able to identify them. When you, if you are building, starting a practice center like Plum Village, you want to create an environment where we can nourish ourselves with healthy, beneficial collective consciousness. In our, in Germany, the. Uh, 
during a Dharma talk that was given one time in Germany, in the front row there were four mothers with babies and they were breastfeeding them. And I was happy to have the pleasure of contemplating the scene and thought to myself, the babies were receiving two types of food. The first was mother's milk. It's great. And the second type was the energy, the positive energy in the meditation hall. Because in the hall there was about a thousand people, a thousand practitioners. And when each person knows how to breathe consciously in mindfulness and knows how to generate mindfulness, concentration, compassion. If you go into an atmosphere like that, you can feel it straight away, that their energy is very healthy, very nourishing. And the children, they don't understand anything of the teaching, obviously, but they can feel the positive energy in the room, in the hall. When we stop thinking, when we smile, when we breathe in mindfulness, we can generate this collective energy of mindfulness, of concentration, of understanding, and of compassion, which can nourish us and nourish all the others at the same time. So, in a retreat like this one, we can do that together. We can generate together the energy of mindfulness and compassion. And if we are really established in the here and now, we will be able to receive this energy and let this positive energy permeate us in order to heal us and nourish us. So each time you breathe in, it's nourishment. And this uh, in-breath should be made in joy, and it's possible to breathe with joy. If you can bring your awareness to your in-breath, only... I breathe in, I know I'm breathing in. And when you do that, you let go of the past with your regrets, your pain and suffering. You're free of the past. It's because you're with your in-breath. And breathing in, is wonderful. It's very pleasant. And when you breathe in, in mindfulness, you don't think anymore about the future. You don't have fear anymore. No anxiety about things in the future. You're free of the future. So an in-breath can make you free, can liberate you. 
You just need two or three seconds to feel free. Free of what? Free of the past, free of the future, free of your projects, plans. You're just breathing in and you know you're alive. And breathing like that, you can establish yourself in the present moment and get in touch with the wonders of life that are available in the present moment. This, ah, voila, the sun, oh, the birds, oh, the flowers. And you, when you're in touch with this sort of thing, that will nourish you and heal you. So breathing in can be very healing. And we can learn how to breathe like that every day. The most important is that you can stop your thinking. Stop thinking and start being. To live means to be present, to be alive. I think then I'm lost in my thoughts. I think, therefore, I am not here. So I stop thinking in order to start being. And with a breath made in mindfulness, I can establish myself in the present moment and I can be in touch with the wonders of life which are nourishing and healing. And they're within me and they're around me. And every moment of my daily life, this is possible. That's why I say healing is possible in every moment. Healing is possible with every step. When you start walking to go from the meditation hall, don't be in a hurry. We need to savor each step really savor each step like I do every day. Being alive is walking on this earth. It's a miracle. And every step can procure happiness. You can walk as a free person. It's not political freedom we're talking about. But with mindfulness, each breath, each in-breath, each out-breath, each step can bring you happiness and pleasure and healing at the same time. I'm not just walking. I arrive in the present moment with each step where life is possible. I get in touch with Mother Earth. When you breathe in, in mindfulness, you bring, you come back to your body. You get in touch with your body. It's very good. Because in our daily life, we forget we have a body. 
You want to be with your computer three or four hours and you forget you've got a body. In Plum Village, monastics do like this. They have a program so that on their computer, sound of the bell is invited every 15 minutes. We, there's the sound of the bell. So they stop working and they come back to their breathing, to their breath. They breathe in, in mindfulness, breathe out in mindfulness. And when they do that, they get back in touch with their body and they realize they have a body. And having a body is incredible. It's wonderful. You get in touch with your body and when the mind is with the body, you're truly there. And when the mind and the body are separated, there's no life possible. You're lost in your work or in your projects, plans, in your anger. in your regrets, you're not really here. So breathing in, in mindfulness, to bring the mind back to the body. Is a resurrection. You're alive again. Because when the mind and the body are together, you're truly there in the present moment and you're alive. And when you're in deep touch with your body, you know, you can see that Mother Earth is in your body. You are Mother Earth. You're a manifestation of Mother Earth. And if you are in touch with Mother Earth, healing can begin. Being in touch with your breathing will help you to be in touch with your body. And being in touch with your body, you're in touch with nature and with Mother Earth. That's the procedure for healing. And we can do this by walking in mindfulness. Walking meditation. You don't need to suffer while you're walking. I remember once a journalist who came from Paris, from the newspaper Le Monde, took, took part in one of our walking meditations, but he couldn't walk the way we should. He thought it was a very difficult thing. But when everybody is enjoying each step, each step is nourishing and healing. And while everyone else was doing that, the journalist was suffering because he didn't know how to walk. We are going to do this after the teaching, do walking meditation, and we're going to walk in such a way so that each step procures happiness. We have to be here in the present moment, not carried away by the past, the future, our projects. 
and the collective energy will help us to stay in the present moment in order to touch to enjoy each step we make walking like that is like walking in the kingdom of god for me the kingdom of god is not an idea not an abstract idea it's a reality the sun the trees the flowers everything is a part of the kingdom of god the kingdom of god is now or never and if you know how to walk like that you uh you are able to have this kingdom you won't regret you know how to live in the kingdom of god with each breath with each step when i make a step a breath i can do two or three steps i can say i am at home I am already at home at home when you breathe out you can say i have arrived i have arrived i'm already here i'm not running anymore i find pleasure in the here and now i know that happiness and healing are possible in the present moment and that's why each step is enjoyable and brings about healing that's the way we have to walk and the community is there to help you to support so that you can walk in this way each step healing is each step the pure land of the buddha the kingdom of the god the kingdom of god is each step and if we all walk like this the kingdom will manifest itself in the here and the now today i'm going to have lunch with you we're going to eat simply and each mouthful of food will we will eat in mindfulness We're going to chew many times with a, a spoonful of rice or sesame seeds. We can chew thirty, forty, fifty times. When we chew like this, we don't think anymore. we bring our attention our awareness to the food the rice the bread contain contains the whole cosmos the entire cosmos so when you look at your piece of bread Oh, the bowl of rice you can see the whole cosmos you're in contact 
It's very important. You're in contact with your body, with the food, with the brothers and sisters around you. It's a true happiness to be able to eat like this in touch with the whole universe, the whole cosmos. And when we chew, we're only chewing our food. We know we're chewing rice or bread. And we're in touch with the cosmos. And we're going to chew our food in such a way that this mouthful of food becomes liquid before swallowing it. And before taking a new spoon, 30 or 40 times we can chew and we can really enjoy it during the whole length of the meal. During the meal, we can eat in such a way that freedom is possible. Free of what? Free of everything to do with the past, regrets, pain, suffering. Fear, anxiety, worry. about the future or our plans. We let go of all of that in order to be in the present moment and to eat the way we know, to eat the right way. So each mouthful of food can bring about healing, joy, happiness, brotherhood and sisterhood, so freedom, brotherhood and sisterhood and happiness are possible during the whole length of the meal. So now we are going to do walking meditation together and I wish everybody, I hope everyone can walk in such a way that healing and joy are possible with each step and each breath, each in and out breath. So please keep your headphones in because there will be some announcements afterwards. Don't unplug them.
with the next sound of the small bell, we will start massaging our legs in mindfulness. We can smile. Hello, dear legs, with a lot of compassion. And after that, we will, at the next sound, after that, the next bell, we will stand up.